Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about what Apple has coming next year in 2022, the new MacBook upgrade plan for businesses, and we're going to name our favorite and best iPhone apps of the year. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase, Molecule, Therabody, ZocDoc, and ExpressVPN. You'll hear about our friends in a moment, but joining me is my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Oh, I am entering lockdown as we speak. That's lockdown? Yep. Yeah, uh, just as we record this, it's been announced Britain's going into another lockdown. So oh my working goodness. from home, unless you're in the government, uh, no large gatherings unless you're in the government. Yeah, basically that. Well, it's two lockdowns, isn't it? It's whether you're a member of the public or you're in the cabinet, different set of rules, but they've just been announced as we record this. So. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. Is it the Omicron thing? Yes, basically, but it's all, uh, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> Take me away from this. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I was going to say, at least you have a Ted Lasso blanket to keep you comforted during this time. I did actually it's put that over my head during the announcement. Uh, okay, but, see, um, useful. Okay. It's useful. And I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out there. If you need uh, some cheer during this time. Yeah. Season one is just waiting for you there on Apple TV plus William Ted Lasso. He's there. He's there for you. Oh, it's a bizarre thing. But Apple TV plus isn't working for me. I think it might Uh, be the AWS uh, failures this week. (laughs) Something something like that. (laughs) You know what? I don't even have that in the notes to talk about, but I just need to mention. So it was this past Tuesday, AWS, which is Amazon's web services, went down for most of the day. And it is amazing to see how much of the Internet runs on Amazon servers. Things from Disney Plus to podcast hosting services to different websites, even the Eros. I actually have Eero Wi-Fi routers at the moment where I'm working, and those started acting funny because Amazon's web servers went down and Eero is owned by Amazon. And I just could not believe. I'm like, maybe we should diversify this a little bit. Like, I know Microsoft Azure is out there. Maybe Google Cloud. I don't know. Like, let's get some other servers in here. I don't know. What do you think about that? I thought I was already shocked enough until he said Eero. I didn't know about them. Your hardware devices in your house failing because of this. It's a fragile thing we use. Yeah. And I, you know, I couldn't tell if it was the websites I was trying to visit running on AWS. And that's why they were acting funny. But overall, like that day, I had to turn off my Wi-Fi several times just to load certain social media sites. So I don't know. It was very strange. And uh, let me just say I'm in favor of uh, let's get some more companies running some more servers for so the internet can like stay up if one company goes down. That's all I'm saying. Never had this problem when it was dial up telephone lines, you know. No, that's right. That's right. We should go back to the good old days of dial up internet, according to William Gallagher. Yes. Uh, I've got a vague memory of Bulletin board systems. BBS is where only two people could phone in at a time or or something. That's right. Goodness. If someone calls your house, you just get knocked yes. offline. If you're make, playing some online game, forget about yes. it. Can't, it's over. But anyway, we have a lot to talk about, William. We're going to do a big iPhone app roundup in the second half of the show. But did want to get through some news. There is some news and rumors. First of all, Mark Gurman from Bloomberg. He is releasing his weekly newsletter. He's been doing that for a while now. His most recent newsletter this past Sunday kind of dropped What he is predicting Apple is going to be doing in 2022, this coming year. Guoming Chi also had several notes about what to come next year. And, you know, it's what you would expect. Probably a redesigned MacBook Air. We saw leaks of that. The new Mac Mini with M1 Pro processors. Second generation AirPods Pro headphones will be coming out. Excited for those. And the long-awaited higher-end iMac running Apple Silicon and even the Mac Pro. Now, the one rumor I'm not sure about is... Mark Gurman is saying the AR VR headset that Apple has been planning and building will be coming in 2022. I don't know, man. I I, I think there's a better chance we're going to see this AR VR headset before the Apple car. So I guess there's a better chance in 2022. But I just I don't I can't just imagine Apple announcing that next year. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I was waiting for the opportunity to say clearly the Apple car is coming and it's coming in blue. But um, uh-huh. Munchiko was saying that it expects the first version of the headset to sell, I think it was a ceiling of three and a half million. And then the second one uh, a year later will be 10 million or so. Uh, and that it will sell that well because people will see what it does and what apps it does. I'm sh- sure it's not making the stuff up. As, well, I mean, I'm sure it's calculated in some way. I-, I can't really imagine all of the apps 
that would make me guaranteed to rush out and buy one. But if there is one, then I'm excited. And if I'm excited, then I'd like it sooner, <laughs> please. Sure. I'm most excited to see what Apple does with the Mac Mini with their pro-level Apple Silicon. And of course, the Mac Pro, the end of the two-year transition cycle that Tim Cook said it's going to take two years to get every Mac onto Apple Silicon, meaning the M1, M1 Pro, M1 Max chips, or M2, if that comes out next year, it's expected to go in the MacBook Air, whatever M2 chip comes out. But the Mac Pro should be this year. And the way Tim Cook has said in certain events, it looks like the fall season is how he's counting that transition time where the first M1 Max came out in November 2020. The next crop of Apple Silicon Max came out in October 2021. And so the end of the second year would then be fall 2022, it seems like. Mm, No, sorry, Tim. I set the stopwatch going (laughs) the moment he announced it. He said two years. And when he said two years, that was what. So WWDC, he's late if he's after that. But (laughs) Apple always does this, doesn't it? They say... Uh, coming out in the fall, and they are, they trust on the fact That's that right. nobody realizes that officially the fall ends on December the twentieth or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. <laughs> right, they really exactly. Yeah, so or they could do like what they did with the uh, trash can Mac Pro, which was announced it at WWDC and then went for sale like December twentieth oh, or something true. like that. Yeah, announce it, sell it, regret it. They could do that cycle. Yes, they could. <laughs> oh, that's savage, William. That I'm savage. sorry. That was that was very harsh, but fair. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it's good. Listen, it's called the trash can for a reason. I actually saw a basic Apple guy. He tweets every once in a while the progression of icons of different Mac apps. And he did the progression of the trash can on the Mac. And he snuck the old Mac Pro that looked like a trash icon in that little uh, tweet. And so that, that was pretty good. All right. Well, we just had a couple pieces of news before we get to our big app roundup. First of all, this kind of slipped by me last week, but it was announced kind of on the down low that Apple now has a MacBook upgrade plan just for business customers. And so you're probably familiar with the iPhone upgrade program where you You pay a monthly fee or subscription, whatever you want to call it, and you get a new iPhone every year. You trade in your old one and you get a new one if you'd like, or you can just pay the two years of payments and then you own the iPhone. Well, for business customers only now, there is actually an upgrade plan for MacBooks, and this applies to the MacBook Air through the 16-inch MacBook Pro, and it basically works like a lease. You would pay a certain amount per month. The numbers that I found is the MacBook Air base model would be $30 a month. And the 16-inch MacBook Pro starts at $70 a month. I'm sure those numbers would adjust depending on your configuration. But if you're a business customer or maybe you're needing to get several computers, but you can't afford to buy them all at once and you don't want to do a credit card, maybe it's something that you'll want to upgrade more often than normal. Business customers now have this option of a MacBook upgrade plan. Do you think, William, they would ever bring this kind of upgrade plan to consumers for the computer side? I keep expecting them. I remember when first rumors of the Apple One bundle were coming along, it would be would right. it be services and iPhone. Um, I'm just perturbed by the fact that the, when I got my MacBook Pro, I was asked if I was a business customer um, and did I want help with this? And I think, well, no, I don't really need help with it, but yes, I'm a business customer. So suddenly I'm getting Apple business email letters, but I've bought the MacBook Pro. So if this comes to the UK, or anything i still can't benefit from it a macbook air for 30 dollars a month that's just gorgeous it's i'll take two (laughs) right and it becomes very accessible for businesses especially small businesses that might need a computer to run their business so great option i almost thought the next device we would see on the consumer side would be the apple watch because it seems like a very easy transition to say here's the iphone upgrade program Mm. and then for an additional what, $10, you can get an Apple Watch along with the iPhone and just upgrade both of them every year or however often you'd like. So I feel like it would be that before a Mac, at least for the consumer side. That's clever. I wouldn't have thought of that. That would actually appeal to me apart from the fact that there's this risk that the Series 8 will be that blocky, horrible, squared off design. So I'd kind of (laughs) want to opt out for a year every now and again. You know, that's a good reminder. I didn't mention this in the first segment, but along the different rumors that Mark Gurman and Kuo Ming-Chi have said is that the Apple Watch in 2022 is going to have three different models. 
that the regular Apple Watch, which comes in aluminum, steel, and titanium, or maybe some other, I hope they bring the ceramic back. I'd love my chance to get one of those. But they're going to have the standard watch. They're going to have a new second generation Apple Watch SE for the budget side. And then there's going to be that rugged Apple Watch that we keep hearing rumored about. And they believe Ming-Chi Kuo, Mark Gurman, think it's going to come out in 2022. Maybe even have that square edge design Mm. that was leaked by John Prosser earlier this year. What do you think about that rugged, square-edged rumor, William? I think it's really clever, Mm. actually, because that square-off zone is so horrible, I wouldn't wear the watch outside. (laughs) So therefore, be much longer-lasting. That's probably what they mean. You know, as I was thinking about that rumor, a more durable Apple Watch, unless you make it rubberized, like as the material it's actually made out of, I don't know what would make it more rugged, because if you get a stainless steel or titanium Apple Watch now, I find the casing to be very durable. You know, you'll get scratches on the steel and titanium, but it can take some hits and keeps on ticking, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And then the glass on those higher-end Apple Watches is that sapphire. And I've had great experience with the durability of the sapphire screen. And it, you know, doesn't really scratch. You really have to try hard to scratch it. So I don't know. I don't know what a rugged Apple Watch would mean. I mean, it's already waterproof. So I can, I can only imagine it's some kind of rubberized deal. I'm thinking, how? what do you do to your watch that you need these hardware materials? I only ever buy the aluminium ones and whatever the, the cheapest glass cover is. And I don't have a single scratch. In I've, Every watch since the original has ne- the only fault, the only slight damage I ever had was a, a, actually a manufacturing fault on my first watch mm. where the lid fell off. Otherwise, not a mark, not a scratch, nothing. What do I do that you don't? <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe I walk funny or something, but <laughs> I, f- I find that my Apple Watch dings a lot of door frames. And when I'm in the kitchen, it will kind of ding the counters around my kitchen and I'll get scratches. And I've told this story before, but the first Apple Watch I got my wife, I got her an aluminum version because I figured she's not going to be too rough on this thing. And one day into owning the aluminum one, she dinged it against the counter in our kitchen and the glass immediately cracked. Like and it was a like a noticeable crack, not just like a hairline something. And so I've forever gotten her the stainless steel model with sapphire and it's been very durable for her. She hasn't broken them as long as she's had them for many years now. And it's the same with me. I, because I ding it on doorways and I don't know what I'm doing with my arms, William. I'm, I need I guess some kind of video of me like <laughs> candid to see how I'm swinging my arms that I keep hitting it on door frames. We need gate know. analysis and all of that. But, gate uh, analysis. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I am thinking though, a positive side, be positive. You and your wife seem very well matched. Um, negative ah. side, your kitchen designer... <laughs> Not so good. I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't I don't know. Maybe we just flail our arms more than the average person. I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, and also one last rumor for 2022 is that the iPhone SE is going to get an updated model. And uh, the reason I find that interesting is one, it's the budget iPhone, but upgraded with, you know, probably faster processor, better cameras. So it's always nice to know that that budget option is being upgraded and that there's, you know, some people it's a good recommendation. My question will be, and this is my question for you too, William, will the next iPhone SE still have a home button with Touch ID or will we finally transition to an all Face ID iPhone lineup? No more home button, no more Touch ID. I'm going to say it now. I think the next iPhone SE will be Face ID only and the home button, it will go away for good. What do you think, William? I don't agree. You don't agree? Mm. You think the buttons are staying? I keep hearing that the screen will be the same 4.7 inches. And what, what are they going to do with that, that chin uh, if there isn't a home button in there? I'll tell you this. I, I, used to, I, I like to keep two phones, the current one and my previous one, in case something goes wrong, because things have. And also because I do a lot of filming, and it's good to have two phones filming things. But I gave my iPhone 12 Pro to my wife, Angela, because we thought we were going away on a really nice holiday and the cameras and all this stuff. And she gave me in return her old iPhone SE. So I use that as my spare, as my second camera, as my audio recorder sometimes, and having to go back to using the home button on it. I'm astonished how much I dislike it compared to Face ID. I, oh, yeah. I, I remember missing it at first 
And then thinking, touch ID, face ID, not a big difference. Uh, face ID, I still, every time it looks, I kind of um, gurn at the camera uh, when it comes up, and I'm aware of this. I'm not sure that's an American term. <laughs> no. Let's not Google it. Um, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Any, anyway, uh, but I generally <laughs> find it a pain uh, going back to the old home button. So let it be true that face ID goes everywhere, but I I just, I'm not sure. I don't think so. So you had an interesting point. The iPhone SE, the current second generation model, has a 4.7 inch screen. And if they went away with the chin and forehead, they could go with an iPhone mini size device, which has a 5.4 inch screen. So it's a little larger, but they could maybe just give it one camera, just the wide angle instead of the wide and ultra wide and put a slower processor in it. And maybe the iPhone... SE becomes the iPhone mini. And, you know, there were also rumors that the iPhone 13 mini would be the last new mini that they come out with. And maybe, maybe the mini becomes the SE model. And then in the fall, we just get iPhone 14 and 14 Pro and Pro Max. We just get the larger sizes. I was thinking that was really clever, except we're basing a lot on the rumors, Minchiko and others. And one of the other things to say is that, yeah, 2022's SE won't be much different, but 23 uh, will. The iPhone SE in 2023 will have a bigger screen. So if it has a bigger screen, oh. that probably knocks out the the mini idea. Although 4.7 to 5 point thingy, that's bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger screen. Mm. Well, we'll see. We have made our predictions. I'm saying it's not going to have a home button, and you have disagreed. And we will see who is right yeah. in 2022, yeah. William. You're saying home button. I'm saying Apple car. Let's play our game. Yes. <laughs> Apple car. What do you think, Apple car? Or what do you think, William? Apple car 2022? No, I don't. No, I thought no. you were going to say Apple car with a home button. Um, oh, no. my goodness. Now, that would be hilarious if one yes. day the Apple car comes out and there is a home button, but that it just takes you home. I mean, <laughs> oh, that, yes. Be, that oh. would be pretty slick. Uh, I'm sold. I'd buy one already. Yes. There you go. That's it. Just drives you automatically home. All right. Well, a couple of the news bits. First of all, iOS 15.2, which should be coming out pretty soon. It was supposed to be coming out before the end of the year. They've added another feature, I guess you could call it, or another piece of information now within the settings. In iOS 15.2, there's going to be a parts and service history section under the settings, general, and about menu. And it's going to tell you if the battery, camera, and possibly other parts of the iPhone are a genuine Apple part or some kind of third-party non-Apple part. This is very interesting on the heels of Apple's self-repair program, which is also supposed to be launching in early 2022, where you'll be able to buy first-party Apple parts for your device so you can repair it yourself. And this little menu is now going to show people and presumably show people, like if you have to go to an Apple store for anything, whether or not you have a genuine Apple part in your phone or not. Yeah, it's excellent. I think, um, if nothing else, if you buy a secondhand iPhone, I would go straight into settings general about and look to see whether it's as right. new as you're being told and things like that. Yeah. I think it's just, you're saying about what it can show. What it will show will actually depend on your phone. Oh. The iPhone, any iPhone 13 or any iPhone 12, it will give you this detail for... Um, it's the battery, the display, and the camera. But the older, the further back you go with iPhones, the fewer of those you get. So I think the iPhone uh, 10R, 10S, X, yeah, that will only show the battery, for example. Yeah, gotcha. but we're we're all buying new phones all the time, so yeah. But interesting, what they can't, presumably can't get that information through those phones, and that's interesting. That is interesting. Was the 10S? They were all OLED. I don't know. I don't know what changed from the 10s to the 11. Mm. Anyway, I thought I thought that was interesting. So that'll be coming out with 15.2, along with things like legacy contact support, where you can designate a contact to have access to your iCloud data after you pass, and other features. Again, hopefully they'll be coming soon. Stay tuned to Apple Insider. We'll let you know when it comes out. I also wanted to mention the supply constraints that we are seeing amongst Apple's products and trying to buy it. I had a fleeting thought of maybe seeing if I want to upgrade my kid's iPad or something for Christmas and to see like what Apple devices can you get before Christmas now. And man, if you go into the Apple store app or you go to the you know Apple store on the web, so many of their products are more than a month out for being able to order them 
picking them up in store and ordering them to be delivered to your home. I was looking at the base model iPad, which was recently refreshed at one of their fall events. You couldn't get one, at least for my address, until January 20s. So over a month away for that. iPad Air is the same deal. You can't get an iPad Air anytime soon. And many of those kind of lower and mid-tier products, very difficult to find. You know, products like HomePods and AirPods, those are more prevalent right now. But it seems like when it really comes to Apple Silicon chips, namely that, what A are we on, 15 <laughs> and A14 yeah. chips, those kinds of chips, it really looks like that supply constraint is hitting Apple's products. And so if you haven't ordered any of those for the holiday season this year, I don't know if you'd be able to find one. You really have to see the physical Apple stores that are near you and see if anything comes in stock and jump on it right away, order it for pickup that day if you really want to grab something. Have you noticed any of that? Fortunately, no, because um, apart from looking into it for research purposes and things, the things I wanted to buy, they were already constrained. So the big one for me was I was desperate to get my wife uh, an Apple Watch Series 7. Uh, for She's got a big birthday coming up. We were going away. I wanted to be sure I had it in time and so that I could carry it with us. And now we're not going away because of other country lockdowns right. and things. It, I, what it is, I ordered it online and watched that date to see where was it slipping back? Was anything? Would it be here before we left and all this stuff? But I also would go back through the whole ordering process just to see if the precise configuration she wanted was suddenly available in the Apple store. And one day, it was. Right. So I bought it for pickup, cancelled the original order, ran into the Apple store. And they told me at the Apple store that, yes, they get deliveries every day, or they did. This is about six weeks ago now. Uh, they get deliveries every day, but they never know what is coming in, or how many of things. So it is potluck that exactly the ones you wanted was available right. but um uh, after all that i just gave up forget uh, keeping it for next week or the week after the holiday thing i just gave it to her on the spot which is very nice and she's very pleased with it she loves the hand washing thing because she's she was on a series zero <laughs> for before didn't know but this wow. love this stuff but of course i've now got to find something else for the actual birthday so you know <laughs> it's just it's not going to be an apple product obviously um can't get them anymore well, I'll just say the Ted Lasso has an entire merch store online. If you look and get apparel, you can get cups, blankets, as you know. Just yes, that's so romantic. Uh, right. Yeah, you know. yeah. Ted Lasso's a romantic. You know, if you watch the show, you would know. That's all I'm uh -huh. saying. Uh-huh, yeah. Maybe you can make her mm -hmm. some biscuits. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I've done that before. I didn't realize there was a connection, but okay. <laughs> ah, yeah. See, there you go. There you go. This episode is brought to you by Theragun by Therabody. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an athlete or someone like me that works at a desk most of the day on computers and ergonomics can get a little wonky, it's hard to make it through the day tension-free. And that's where Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's super quiet. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. There's even an OLED screen on it to make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Go to their site and check it out, therabody.com slash appleinsider, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. So I wasn't big on massage and stuff before, but because I sit at a desk and sometimes work on my iPad and computer for extended periods of time, I can feel tension, especially in my shoulders and back area. And so I've been using the Theragun. I'm actually going to turn it on right here. You can actually hear it. That's on the slow speed. And let me uh, turn it up here. You can turn it up. And you actually just run it along your shoulders or your back. And what I really like about it is there's actually an app that will walk you through different therapy routines. You can say, I need help for my neck or shoulders. They even have specific routines for working on a computer all day. And it will tell you where to use the Theragun and even adjust the speed using Bluetooth connecting the app to the Theragun. So that's actually really cool. I've been enjoying it and my wife really likes it as well. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers, and me and my wife, we've been using it too. So try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. You can go to therabody.com slash Apple Insider right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. 
therabody.com slash Apple Insider to learn more. Our thanks to Therabody for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Molecule. Guys, I love Molecule air purifiers because they don't just capture those allergens and dust and all that in something like a HEPA filter and then just keep that junk around. Molecule actually uses a patented technology called PICO, which is a photoelectrochemical oxidation. That's the fancy word for molecule destroys those air pollutants and allergens, and it cleans the air better than any other air purifier I've experienced. Research shows that the Molecule Air Mini removes 99.98% of the COVID-19 virus from the air in a one-time release, which is pretty incredible. And we can't control the air outside, but inside it's yours to control with Molecule Air Purifiers. Molecule destroys bacteria, viruses, mold, pollen, pet dander, and chemicals so you can enjoy clean air. I also love Molecule Air Purifiers because they are beautifully designed. A lot of air purifiers can look clunky and just kind of meh, but Molecules are beautiful and many of their models actually work with HomeKit. We love HomeKit on here. That's Apple's smart home platform. We've actually had the Molecule CEO, Jaya Rao, on the HomeKit Insider podcast and we interviewed her and I loved hearing about the story of her and her family developing the Molecule Peak technology really driven by the passion to help people get cleaner air in their homes. For a limited time, save up to $120 on Molecule Air Purifiers by visiting Molecule.com, that's Molecule with a K, and use the promo code AppleInsider, all one word. That's Molecule, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and use the promo code AppleInsider for up to $120 off. And you can enjoy free shipping and a 30-day home trial. That's promo code Apple Insider at Molecule.com. Our thanks to Molecule for sponsoring this episode. All right, there was, there was one interview that I thought would be interesting if our listeners want to check it out. Yeah, two Apple executives did an interview with Hype Beast. This is industrial design chief Evans Hankey and VP of product marketing Stan Ng. And they actually talked about the Apple Watch and also the Apple Watch bands and kind of the hardware design and development that goes into those Apple Watch bands, how much they refined the designs over the years and the importance of backwards compatibility. So it's a pretty cool interview. I'll put the link to our article in show notes. You can check that out. But I've always been impressed that every year with every model Apple Watch that comes out, Apple has remained backwards compatible with that watch band. And as these execs were saying, that is not an easy task to be able to fit the Apple Watch bands as the screen size has increased, the case sizing has increased, getting those bands all the way back from the original Apple Watch Series Zero, as some call it, to still fit is an engineering feat. And so I thought that was very interesting. I'm curious if Apple will ever break from the Apple Watch band connector. You know, you think about the charger on the iPhone. Apple went five model iPhones, the original iPhone, 3G, 3GS, 4, and 4S, five model iPhones with the 30-pin connector for charging and data, and then they moved to Lightning. When that transition happened, you know, a bunch of people got upset. No one was happy about buying new cables and replacing the docks and all that. But it was five years of that cable, and then they went to Lightning. With the Apple Watch now, we have, let's see, it came out in 2015. So we have six years, seven models of Apple Watch, plus, you know, Apple Watch SE and things like that. And so by the time we get to the next Apple Watch release next fall, it's going to have been seven years. So a longer time with this Apple Watch. And I'm curious, will they ever change the Apple Watch band connector to eliminate compatibility and you won't be able to use those old bands anymore? What do you think, William? Think they'll ever do that? I think some people want them to change it to a USB-C cable that can wrap around your wrist or something. (laughs) I can't remember when the switch to Lightning was. It was such a big deal. But I think it's longer ago than we had the 30-pin connector for. So it might not follow. I remember, I I, I love that interview. I was fascinated by this aspect about the bands and things. But one of the clearest things I remember about the original Apple Watch was how clever the connection is. It's so simple and so obvious yeah. you wonder why every watch isn't like that and i thought actually i think that's that felt to me like typical apple they thought through just a little bit more than other people and came up with something so classically simple that it seems obvious in hindsight and i really admire their designers for all of this it's fascinating stuff yeah so i will say the 30 pin connector actually debuted in the ipod Back in 2003, apparently that's when the dock connector, the 30-pin connector first came out, and it went from 2003 through 2012. 2012 is when the lightning connector was introduced. So that was nine years of 30-pin connectors from iPod 
to than the original iPhone. So we have not hit nine years yet with the Apple Watch band or even Lightning. I mean, Lightning is it's well, it's just about but yeah, just very close. Just about nine years with the with the Lightning. So yeah, I am increasingly losing hope that the iPhone will ever have USB C. I think it will go to a either portless or some kind of magnetic smart connector before we ever get USB C. So actually, yeah, I think I think I've given up. Don't worry about it. We'll have Apple Glass soon and we won't actually have watches or phones it'll just look like we have when we look at our hands and they won't need charging that's what's going to happen so you yes can very relax. good very yeah good. i'm also curious you have the apple watch series 7 as well right you got one of those i have now yes you i, have now. I you wasn't have now. going to but then apple oh, apple angela really liked her so much and it looks so good and i just yeah I think particularly because basically we were due to go away on a big holiday and that's been cancelled for sorts of reasons. So I kind of had a little money that I wasn't expecting. Uh, so I did exactly the same thing again of going through the ordering <laughs> things. And um, also I actually had to be going to Apple Store for something in the morning and I asked and they didn't have it. And by chance I looked an hour later for something else and they did. So they really mean it when they say they don't know what's coming in. So I went, and I went back the same day uh, to pick it up. So yes, I now have a Series 7. No, I'm very happy. I was going to say, so yes. I assume you got the 45 millimeter? Yes, I did. Oh. In aluminium or aluminum, oh. if you prefer. Yes. <laughs> For us Americans, thank yes. you. And so what have been, you came from the Series 4, is that right? Yes. Uh, so for me, the big uh, the big obvious thing was the always on, yes. uh, which I find I like a lot because recently I've been having to get up very early. Uh, so it's been great to have a watch that lasts a little longer. And I have it on my wrist. And I can see the time in the night without, you know, having to turn over the wrist and have it suddenly flare into life for me. Although I admit, as much as I wanted Always On, as much as I like Always On and I feel the difference, it I, it used to be that you basically had to do a flamenco dance, didn't you, to see the time. Like, da-da! And I miss that movement. you got to flick it up and you, or you tap it like yes. an animal. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Tango face. That's what yeah, I'm thinking. Right. Argentine tango. Yes. <laughs> so I did want to mention, I had gotten some tweets from people asking about charging on the Apple Watch and whether or not it was acting funny. And I had noticed sometimes when I go to charge my Apple Watch Series 7 that it does not charge even at a normal speed. I threw it on my Belkin 3-in-1 charger, that tree-looking charger. It was at 10%. I left it on there for three hours. I put it on there like early evening because I was going to wear it to go to sleep for sleep tracking. And after two to three hours, it went from 10% to 36%. Just 26% increase in battery. And I said, that's not right. Like, <laughs> like something is wrong. And so I made sure the back of the Apple Watch was clean. The charger was clean. There was nothing obstructing the charging in any way. And all I did was turn off the Apple Watch completely, you know, holding the side buttons, sliding to power off, waiting a second, turning it back on. And then when I put it back on the charger, it went from like 36% to 100% in under an hour, or you know, just around an hour. So there was, there's definitely something weird charging-wise going on in the software of Apple Watch Series 7, not so much the hardware. I don't notice it all the time. Most of the time it charges just fine. But just to confirm those of you who might have been having weird charging times on the Series 7, I have apparently now experienced it as well. Mm. I don't know if you've seen anything like that. I didn't think I had, but now you've said it because I use the same charger as you, uh, basically as you talked me into it frankly. Um, And there was one day I was very surprised to find my watch uh, giving me a low battery warning. I just, I'd put it on, I hadn't checked that it had charged and I I just assumed I hadn't put it on right or that something else had gone wrong and I didn't think about it, but it could be that. Do you think there's any chance that the issue is that we're not using, well, it sounds like you're not, and I know I'm not, using the the new charger that comes with it. I guess I've left mine in the box because I'm Mm. using this stand. Um, Right. I I did think about I did think about getting that USB-C to Apple Watch charger, but most of the time it, it charges fine. Like most of the time it's not an issue. It just seems like there's some weird software thing. So I don't know, maybe it'll be fixed in the next update with 15.2 and 8.2, but I just, I thought it was interesting. I observed it once. I'll keep an eye on it and see if it comes up again. Mm. And now I'll worry about it. So thank you very much. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah. You're very welcome. Okay. Very welcome. <laughs>
All right, and let me stick two more quick news tidbits here before we get to the big iPhone app roundup. First of all, Logan Kilpatrick actually on Twitter messaged this to me, and it was big news. Apple actually debuted an open source website and that they'll release some projects on GitHub. And they've even put things like Swift, some of their research kit stuff, WebKit, and it's an entire website dedicated to their open source projects at Apple. So very cool. I'll put a link to this in show notes. It's opensource.apple.com. Very cool there. And also there's a new interview that went up in the website wallpaper.com. I'll put a link to the show notes in this as well. But the Apple design team led by Evans Hankey and Alan Dye actually did a tour of Apple Park. And so there's been never before seen images inside the Apple Park building. Pretty incredible to see some of the rooms inside the architecture, the design. It's just really cool to see these guys at work. There's even like workbench photos and seeing them work on like iPhone cameras and iPhone hardware. So highly recommend going to that link, checking out all there is to see in that wallpaper interview. There'll of course be a link in show notes to that as well. All right, William, well, we have spent several weeks rounding up the best apps across Apple's platforms. Me and you did Mac OS, which I thought that turned out great, great utilities, great apps for the Mac. Wes and I covered iPad last week. And now we, of course, have to do iPhone apps. And now I know you said you had a tremendous amount of apps that you want to highlight. And so I'm going to leave you much time because I'm going to try and limit my list to just apps that I haven't mentioned yet. Because the thing, the great thing about the Apple ecosystem is many apps you can use across all the platforms. And that's one of the reasons why I love some of these apps, apps like Things and others that I use on both my Mac, my iPad, and my iPhone, I've mentioned before. And so I will refrain from listing those again. So my list will be a little shorter than the past ones, but I do have some unique to the iPhone that I think really make a big difference. And as Wes said last week, I've neglected to mention Apple's stock apps for like the Mac or different platforms. So I do want to mention, I of course use Apple's stock apps in several places. I do use Safari as the web browser on my iPhone, iPad, and the Mac mainly. I use Chrome on the Mac sometimes for web development, but mostly stick with Safari. I, of course, use Apple Maps over Google Maps. I made that transition a few years ago, and I found Apple Maps to be very good. And one of the standout apps, and I asked this on Twitter the other day, you know, what are the apps that keep you on the iPhone and not switch to something else like Android? The Messages app. I know it's easy to take advantage of it and look over it just because it's the the texting app, but messages on the iPhone, especially the iMessage service between Apple users and devices is truly incredible. Once iMessages in the cloud launched, where it really fixed any syncing issues between devices, Mac, iPad, and iPhone, the ability for SMS texts to still get pushed to your other Apple devices, it is just incredible and works extremely well. And one other one I'll mention, and we'll throw to you, William, if you have anything to say about Apple's stock apps before we go to third parties, but I actually still use Apple's stock mail app. Mm. I use it with iCloud Mail, with several Gmail accounts, and an Office 365 Microsoft email account. And all of those accounts are in the stock mail app. And I know there are so many great mail apps out there, Friend of the show, Fernando Silva, mentioned last week about Spike, and he actually tweeted about this as well. He uses it on his iPhone. I know friends of the show, friend of the show, Jason Aten, who writes for Inc. He uses Spark, which is a very good third-party email application. But I find even after I use some of those third-party apps after a while, I always come crawling back to Apple's stock mail app. And I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's just the speed of the app, the fluidity, the integration, like if you tap an email address on a website or in an app, it's going to bring up Apple stock mail app. And I know you can set other third parties as the default apps for mail and web browsing, but I find those settings don't stick and it just always goes back to Apple's mail app. And Apple's VIP feature, which some third-party email apps have this as well, but the ability to VIP a contact and customize the notifications just for those you mark as VIPs is critical to the way I use email. I don't get any email notifications unless they are a VIP contact in the mail app. And I I really just love that feature. And I find it is consistent. The mail app works well. And so I stick with the stock mail app. 
William, any thoughts on Apple's first-party apps? So many thoughts, starting with, I didn't know there was a mail app called Spike. Uh, so we've got Spark, we've got Spike. <laughs> yes. There's a, I see a th- trend there. Right. It used to be that every few months I would get frustrated with the fact that Apple's mail thing didn't have all these great features that these others do, particularly integration with to-do apps and things. The ability to just chuck an email straight into your to-do app and know you could deal with it later. The, there's so many actions available. I would try them and then something would go wrong. It would fail in some way. It would crash. All of them just uh, uh, failed to have that total reliability of Apple Mail. And I've now, I used to reluctantly come back to Mail and now forget it. I'm happy with Mail. I'll stick with it. And there are ways around some of the actions that I need. So uh, yay for Apple and uh, yay for Apple Mail. So there. <laughs> but Yes, same. And I will also say shortcuts. We've talked mm. about it on the iPad before. It's now on the Mac. But when it comes to being productive on my phone, shortcuts play such a large part of it. And a lot of times I trigger shortcuts from the share menu and I don't realize that I'm doing a shortcut. You know, it's just something in my share menu that I program that it's just kind of second nature. But if you have not gotten into shortcuts yet, I have to highly recommend try it out. Check out our interviews with Matthew Casanelli. He originally was on the workflow team. Apple bought the workflow app. It became shortcuts. Matthew stayed on for a little while at Apple. Now he's independent doing his own thing, really trying to teach people about shortcuts. So I highly recommend his website. I'll put a link to his stuff in the show notes as well. Actually, talking about Apple stock ones, um, I'm very conscious. I said to you there were loads of apps I wanted to talk about, but things I've been thinking about it. I've realized few of them, in fact, none of them really that I really, really want to talk about are new. They're all updates to things. And one of them is Apple Notes, because this is the year that I finally moved over wholesale to Apple Notes. Wow. Although, funnily enough, one of the reasons is not the iPhone, uh, it's the iPad, the Quick Note feature that you get on the iPad and on the Mac. I think it's a bit clunky on the Mac, actually, but on the iPad, that ability to just swipe up in the corner, write a note, push it out of the way again, it's so good. And it has helped me so often with things that um, I'm now all in on Apple Notes on all devices. So Interesting. I mean, do you remember when Apple Notes was a joke? It was just like this Comic Sans shopping list. <laughs> it had the marker, marker felt. Yeah, marker it. felt marker was the font. Felt, yeah. Yes. And I did use it, but now... No, it's it's open in front of me now. Um, I made I have meetings tomorrow, and I know I will take notes in Apple Notes. And you're because you're only using one, and you know it always works. You know where everything is, and so I find that a, a benefit to it as well. Do you not keep track of any other note type things in any other app? Uh, I spe- well, I write an awful lot in drafts, and very often I'm in drafts when the phone rings, so I might make a note of it in there. But um, despite the fact that drafts, which is actually one of the apps I want to mention. Uh, it has so many ways to deal with text. You can just write something, getting out of your head, it's on the screen, and then you can think that's an email and it will email it off. Well, that's a text message. This goes to your to-do app. You can make all of these decisions and I tend not to. So I just tend to dump text in there. And that means a lot of them are very short-term notes and things. But uh, anything even slightly more organized, like um, I have a reference folder. Um, There's one client, for example, I do a magazine for uh, two or three times a year. And that's just far enough apart that I can never remember all the steps. (laughs) So I list, last time I did it, I listed them all, put them in there. And now next time I'm hired for it, if I'm hired again, I, I open that up and I work through it. Uh, having one central place for that kind of more than a short note, less than a book or an article thing. Um, I find I like sick in one place. And at the moment, that place is Apple Notes. Whereas I think you're a bear person, did you say? I do. I do use bear for a lot of things. That would be one of my app picks for the iPhone. But I think I mentioned it on the past two weeks because I use bear everywhere. It does have some features that are unique, but it does not have collaboration. And that's something that we use Apple Notes for every week on this podcast. I collaborate with you, with Wes, with Andrew. And I will say the collaboration and sync when you have multiple people working on a note has become very good. You can see the changes. There's like a little activity window now where you can click and see highlighted what changes someone else has made in a note. So Apple Notes is getting very, very good. I will I will admit, and I'm maybe I'll consider it again for some of my other note taking, but we'll see. We'll see. This episode is brought to you by our friends at ZocDoc. You've heard me talk about ZocDoc before. It is a free app that you can download to your iPhone that helps you locate and find doctors in your area that, and this is the important part, take your insurance. 
You can go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider to download the free app, and you can search for all the different kinds of doctors in your area, whether it's a primary care, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, and best of all, you tell ZocDoc what your insurance provider is, what plan you're even on, and as you're booking a doctor, it'll tell you whether that doctor takes that insurance. And a lot of times when you need a doctor, you need one right away. And with ZocDoc, you can actually make an appointment with a doctor as soon as today, like right now. You can see what appointments are available. And I love looking in the app because you see pictures of the doctors, you see ratings from other members using ZocDoc, so you can get a general idea of how good these doctors are. And you can even book in-person appointments or telehealth on like video conferencing appointments. You can do both of that in the app. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. I use the ZocDoc app to look for doctors in my area that take my insurance. I never have to call a receptionist or wait on hold again. Just book your doctor right in the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy, and now is the time to prioritize your health. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C doc.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode and Coinbase. You've probably heard a lot about cryptocurrency and maybe you're crypto curious. You want to start investing in crypto, but you're not sure where to do it or where to look. Well, Coinbase is the app and service for you. Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell cryptocurrency simple. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies. So if you want to get Bitcoin or Ethereum, they're all there and Coinbase makes them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app. And I personally have been using Coinbase for years, honestly. And I love the Coinbase iPhone app. It's easy to use. It's well-designed and you can buy and sell crypto very quickly all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. So whether you're looking to diversify or just looking to get started or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash Apple Insider. Sign up at coinbase.com slash Apple Insider for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Coinbase. And finally, our thanks to ExpressVPN. Whenever I travel, especially when I'm on public Wi-Fi networks, maybe it's at a hotel or in an airport, when you're on that shared public network, if there are people that are hacking savvy, they could get access to your devices and information. That's why I use ExpressVPN so I can be sure the traffic that's going from my phone, my iPad, or even my Mac is protected. And I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They even develop a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. And ExpressVPN is super fast. It uses lightweight technology. It's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried multiple VPNs in the past, and they can slow the connection, it can be hard to stream video, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast. There's no technical skills needed, you just open the ExpressVPN app, hit one button, and you're connected and protected. Anybody can use ExpressVPN, even your parents, grandparents, and encourage them as they travel to use it. Again, you just open one app, tap one button, you can get the app on your iPhone, iPad, your Mac, even some smart TVs and wireless routers. And it's not just me saying this, Mashable, The Verge, and other tech journals rate ExpressVPN the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use our link expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N, expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. Visit expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. Well, let's jump into some third-party apps. I'll name a few and then throw it back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no rhyme intended, but there it is. <laughs> okay. Yes. Of, of apps that I use most often, like time used, of course, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I've mentioned it before, but my podcast app of choice is Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts has kind of been bought and sold by multiple companies, but the app itself has remained excellent. I still love it for my podcast listening. Of course, you have Overcast and Castro. Apple's first-party podcast app is slowly getting better, but even just little things like, I'll say it again as a disclaimer, we're going to put lots of links to all these apps in the show notes. And Apple Podcasts 
has a text limit that it will display in the episode description in the app. So if you're listening in Apple Podcasts and you're looking for a link to an app that we mentioned and you're about to tweet at me and you're saying you didn't include this link, I would advise you go check out the show notes either on appleinsider.com or literally any other podcast <laughs> app, be it Pocket Cast, Overcast, Spotify, Castro, whatever you'd like. And all the links and notes will be there because they don't have the same text limit that Apple Podcasts does. So Pocket Cast, of course, is my podcast listening app of choice. Fantastical, I think we mentioned it before in the past weeks, but it is the calendar app that I use on my iPhone. I use it all the time. I love the widgets that Fantastical provides for the iPhone specifically, and they're just extremely useful. So Fantastical, of course. This one, I mentioned it before too, but for grocery lists, I do the grocery shopping in the family, and my wife makes the meal plans and the lists, the grocery lists, and we use any list to sync those lists together and collaborate. We have a list per store that I will go to. It has an incredible iPhone app, and you can use it on the iPad and even the Apple Watch, which tweet at me. If you want us to do an episode rounding up our favorite Apple Watch apps, mm. I wasn't sure about doing that or not, but if you want us to do that, let me know. Tweet at me at Stephen Robles, and we'll do a, a week of Apple Watch apps as well. But any list is an incredible application. The syncing is rock solid, and for collaborating on something like groceries, it's just awesome. And this last one is a brand new one that I started using. And this actually goes in conjunction with a Mac app that I recommended called Downy. Downy, D-O-W-N-I-E by Charlie Monroe Software. Downy allows you to download videos from YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, basically any video that you see on a website, you can send the link to Downy and download the video file to your Mac. Well, Downy is incredible. And I mentioned that before, but I've discovered this app called Transloader. Transloader is an application that you can download on both your Mac and your iPad and iPhone. And Transloader will see your other devices over iCloud. You don't have to set up any kind of sync or create an account. It'll just use iCloud. And what you can do is if you're on your iPhone and maybe you're watching a YouTube video or you see a video on Twitter and you wanna be able to download that video, but you can only download it on your Mac because that's where you have Downy. I've used shortcuts to try and download YouTube videos and internet videos before. I find that most shortcuts fail after a certain amount of time because of whatever copyright or weird things the website is doing to protect the video. Well, Transloader, I have the app on my iPhone. It integrates with shortcuts. And so I can actually create an action in the share sheet using shortcuts. And when I'm looking at a video or a video is on a website that I'm viewing, I can hit the share button, click send to Transloader, and what Transloader can do will send that link to my Mac. On my Mac, Transloader will give that link to Downy automatically, and I have Downy automatically set to download any links sent to it and save it to my desktop, which syncs to iCloud Drive. And so with a couple taps, as I'm looking at a video, I can say send to Transloader, and a couple minutes later, I can go to the Files app on my iPhone, look at the desktop folder, and that synced video file will be there for me, and I only had to hit the Share button and click Transloader. It does everything automatically on the Mac side if you have Transloader and Downy installed on the Mac. It's truly, really, really cool, the fact that it all works together, and again, utilizes the power of Downy, and you can activate it from your iPhone. So I just thought that was such a cool utility, and I use it pretty regularly. So. William, tell me about some of your favorite apps. Sorry, I'm still trying to work out the thread there. If you press it here, it clicks there. It It's a bit Professor Brainstormy, isn't it? But it works. <laughs> it, so, it works and it's amazing. Yes. So if you download videos off the internet or would like to download video files off the internet, I encourage you to look into Transloader and Downey. That's all I'll say. I actually hadn't heard of Transloader before this minute, so that's good. I'll go have a look at that. Thank you. I had heard of Fantastical. <laughs> that was going to be one of mine. Had heard of Mail. That was going to be one of mine. Um, <laughs> let me go then with, well, actually, let me finish off something. Um, I realized I saw this and then forgot to say more. Um, I mentioned Drafts 5 that I said I'd write things in. It's just had a new update, which adds... Um, very good uh, PDF scanning. You can drag a PDF into mm. it and it'll pull out all the text, which is very nice. And it also has a, a pretty great transcription thing. I, I still think otter.ai, which is an app, actually, I should mention that app and a service. I, I forget it's an app because on the Mac, it's a, just a website. But on iOS, there is an Otter app and I use it extensively. It's an extraordinary transcriber. Drafts uh, kind of now includes its 
alongside everything else I'm using it for. So I'm finding that pretty impressive. But for completely brand new, well, there's Otter, but also uh, screens. Do you use uh, screens at all? Have you come across this one? I do use screens to access my Mac from my bedroom if I'm feeling lazy. That's absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that we're not going on holiday. Last time we, yeah, before all the coronavirus things, we were going away on a big holiday. Um, I was sitting down in my living room and I was remote controlling the Mac in my office to check that it was finishing rendering a video I needed to do for a project. And I was remote controlling my wife's Mac with her permission in another room. And I was just sitting there on the couch, screening away into both of these to do this thing. And it felt the epitome <laughs> of laziness. But then yeah. I had to, I had had to get up to go make some tea i mean just ruined <laughs> the whole evening right yes yes uh, but screen's incredibly useful i mean try i have a 49 inch screen so trying to remote control that through my iphone oh so yeah a lot, of, a lot of panning around there but it <laughs> yes. works so it does. it's very handy let me throw in uh until you stop me um yeah uh, Filmic Pro. Mm. I, use, I shoot a lot on Filmic Pro, and I like it very much. And uh, when I did this swapping of phones and things, I went back to shooting um, through the front camera so I could use a, a teleprompter app for a thing. And even though it's all officially the same rating, 4K or whatever, it's much crisper on Filmic Pro. So mm -hmm. I've been falling back in love with that app. Although they actually promised, was it uh, in the iPhone 11 launch, that they would be able to uh, shoot um, that feature the iPhone has of shooting front and back cameras at the same time. Right. And they never introduced it. They released a second app, a spare one. It was almost like a toy app uh, for it, and they never included the big one. And I think because, although Apple kind of didn't want you to notice, just as with uh, cinematic mode, it only works with 1080p. Right. So if you're shooting everything else in 4K, you're not going to step down radically just to get this feature. So that's actually why I got into Filmic Pro, and they never did it, but I'm really glad I got into it there. So yay, and hmm. At the same time. Go ahead and do one more. Go ahead. One more, one more. Okay. I uh, I can't in all consciousness say Apple Fitness Plus, although I suppose it's true. News Plus. No. Oh, I know. This one's got to be it. I do like Apple News. Uh, Apple News Plus. I do subscribe because I've got the bundle. But I use an RSS reader called Reader. Yes. R-W-E-D-E-R. And that is my working tool when I need news. And it's my relaxation tool when I'm waiting for the kettle to boil. And on a Sunday afternoon, I will use Reader's own Reader later service so it's like having a magazine on my ipad i uh, love that app very good well to jump back to apple stock apps the files app i just want to mention is actually really powerful when you actually dive into what it can do the ability to integrate if you have dropbox accounts adobe creative cloud account box accounts you know can access all of those cloud service file structures directly in the files app and so that's great for one but also if you want to scan documents you can use the camera app. You can use Apple Notes to scan documents. But I have found when I want to scan several pages to make it into a PDF, I will go directly to the Files app, go to whatever folder, maybe your desktop. You hit the three dots in the top right and scan documents as an option right there in the Files app. And what's great is you can scan multiple pages and it'll just save that PDF right to the folder that you wanted it to be in. And so you don't have to go to Apple Notes and pull out the PDF and then you know send it to somebody or put it in a folder. You can just do it right in the Files app, which I think is really cool. So Files app is pretty powerful. You should poke around there. I, did, I use it and I did not know that feature. I'll be having that. Yes. But since you bring it up, have you tried uninstalling Adobe Creative Cloud? It's, it's infuriating. This is on the Mac or on a mobile device? Oh, well, yeah, sorry, it's on the Mac. Uh, it just, you put it in my head because I struggled with it this week. Um, I finally cancelled all my accounts with it because I'm just not using it uh, anymore. And uh, you have to run the Adobe Creative Cloud uninstaller, yep. which is not great, but it would make sense <laughs> if it worked. Right. It wouldn't work. <laughs> you know, we can't uninstall it because you still have apps that need this. Yes, the uninstaller is the only app. That's, you have to go through the library, the support stuff. And when it finally did do it, I thought, right, I'm never going back to Adobe, much as I love what they do usually. So That experience right there is why I have not installed Adobe Creative Cloud on any of my recent two or three Macs. You know, I, I've done away with it. I use Pixelmator for everything, mm -hmm. Final Cut Pro. And I just, I just don't put it on my Mac for that very reason. Like it's impossible to get it off. Using Lightroom on an iPad or on an iPhone 
is a very different experience. You can download the app or delete it all at once. You don't have to do something on an installer. But on the Mac, I just, I don't like how deep it gets into the operating system, much like Microsoft Office does that too. But mm. yeah, I won't, I won't go into a tirade there. No, because if you do, I'll start talking about Kaspersky antivirus thing, which I am personally convinced <laughs> is a virus um you know <laughs> it, it literally it's right in the title it's a it's a virus yes. so all right but back to some apps i have to mention halide they it, mm. halide is an incredible camera app if you want manual controls over your camera from a manual focus to exposure white balance all of that of course halide is the way to go it's an incredible application for Changing the widgets and home screens on your iPhone, you of course need to try Widgetsmith by developer underscore David Smith. It went viral on TikTok early on when iOS 14 launched, and I use several widgets from Widgetsmith. Even if you just want one photo that never changes on your iPhone home screen, Widgetsmith is the way to do it. And so Widgetsmith is a great option. This one's going to be a little different. This app has been around forever, and it's more of a service than an app, but I still use Google Voice as a secondary phone line on my iPhone. Google Voice is free with a Google account. I've used it for years. They will give you a phone number for free. And then using the Google Voice app on your iPhone, you can text as that phone number, take calls as that phone number, make calls from that number, and get voicemails. It's a full second phone line. And so if you run a business or you just want to have that secondary phone number that you give to random clients and people and you don't want them to have your personal number, but you don't have a home phone or office phone, Google Voice as a service is still really, really good. I don't know when Google is going to notice that it's giving this away for free and shut it down, and I pray they never do, but Google Voice is just incredible for what it is. And as a secondary phone line, I've used it literally for years. So if you've never heard of that or never tried it, Google Voice, you should give it a shot. I remember starting to look into that. And I don't know whether it's available in the UK as well, because I stopped looking into it. Because just as I was looking into it, people were saying the call quality was suddenly really, really bad. And I just assumed Google was switching it off. I hadn't realized either that it was still running or that you say it's good. I should look into that again. Oh, I'm making notes now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, it's good. And this last one is just for fun. It is really more of a service and a website, but they also have an app for the iPhone and I go to the app pretty often. It's a service called Just Watch, like J-U-S-T-W-A-T-C-H, justwatch.com and you can download the app. And it is the website and service that I go to when I want to find out where a movie is streaming on a streaming service. And if you create an account with Just Watch, it's totally free. You tell it what streaming services you subscribe to. When you search for a movie, it'll show you here are the streaming services that you pay for that you can watch this movie on for free. And it'll tell you if it's only for rent and how much it is for rent on the different platforms. So whenever I want to stream a movie, I go to the Just Watch app on my iPhone. I type in the movie title. Then I can see what service I have where I can just stream it right now. So if you've never used it and you like streaming stuff, Just Watch, it's a great app, great service. Actually, I'm, I, can't, I can't let you go without saying... Well, I don't, I don't care. You can end the episode and I'll just keep talking because I've got to keep talking about this one. It's fine. This one I use that I live in and that I would say, uh, transformed my career even. Oh my. And that's OmniFocus. I know you're a Things (laughs) fan and Things looks fantastic and it has the best name of all the to-do apps, but there are certain things it can't do that OmniFocus does. And, um, I got into it just before I got kicked out of the BBC and I went from one client and about four editors to 20 editors over 20 different companies. And uh, a few months here, Angela, my wife was saying, I seemed lighter because of it because OmniFocus was helping me stay on top of a suddenly incredibly complicated work life. So OmniFocus, yay. Okay, I know I know you love OmniFocus, and it is it is an incredible app. I mean, if you want granular control over your to-dos, it's the way to go. Yeah. In fact, every time you say things, think <laughs> OmniFocus. Okay? <laughs> there we go. Got it. Got it. Well, what else? Do you have any other apps that you'd like to highlight? There is one, actually. If you're going to let me squeeze in just one more, one more, yeah, then please. there's a thing called Home Plus, which is a HomeKit yes. thing. And it's just somehow so much better than Apple's own Home <laughs> one. I mean, I still set up things through the Apple's own, but then for quick control of stuff, I'd like there to be a widget, please. But other than that, I think it's just amazingly fast to go straight to the cameras, straight to the, uh, well, I'm having problems with my mains plugs, but go straight to the when they're working in it. So Home Plus is just superb. It is. It's tremendous. I will name a few more. This one I've used for a long, long time, but if ever I need to stay at a hotel, like 
tonight or if I'm like on a road trip, which happens sometimes, and I'm just trying to get a cheap hotel somewhere, but one that's also nice. Hotel Tonight is an app that I've used for years, and it specializes in booking hotel rooms night of. And what basically what hotels do is if they have unsold rooms, they throw it over to Hotel Tonight, and you can get them at a great discount. And if you use Hotel Tonight over the long term, they give you kind of loyalty discounts, even on top of whatever discounts the hotels give you. So I've used Hotel Tonight for a long time. Whenever I'm on road trip, vacation or whatever, I always check it out. A couple games, if you want some games to either pass the time or some entertainment. Alto's games, Alto's Odyssey, Alto's Adventure. Uh. I love all the Alto's games. And I'll always go back to them. I've completed every objective in all the games, but they're still fun to play every once in a while. So the Alto's games. Also, Threes. If you like puzzle games, Threes is a tremendous game. Uh, it's, I'm not even trying to explain it, but if you like <laughs> numbery math, puzzly type games, threes is the way to go. You should try it out. And one last one for me, you know, you can get gifts, animated gifts when you're texting or whatever, using kind of Apple's built-in images search function in the messages app. But sometimes you want to get just the right GIF and uh, not gift, GIF. And to do that, sometimes you got to go outside the stock GIF search. And so I actually have the GIF keyboard app. I think it's made by Tenor, but you search for GIF keyboard. It's a blue icon. Of course, all the links to these apps will be in the show notes. But GIF keyboard, again, it's that third-party keyboard. You can program it so you long press on the little globe icon on the keyboard, go straight to it. And it has a lot of GIFs that you can't get in the stock image app. I don't know why. But they're really funny, and sometimes they're just uh, just what the doctor ordered, we'll say. So GIF keyboard, I use pretty often in my messaging. All right, and a couple ones from listeners. Again, friend of the show, Fernando Silva. He said he uses Apple Notes as well, and Google Home. He uses some Google uh, smart home devices. I want to hold that against him. He remembers Weatherline. It was, Weatherline was a great weather app used by many, but it doesn't exist in the App Store anymore. I think he might be using a archived version or you know, refusing to delete it off his phone. <laughs> He also mentioned Taskade, T-A-S-K-A-D-E, which is a task app that I was not familiar with, but is a task app. So yeah, curious. And it's actually, I guess, for more project management, I guess you could do some some bigger kind of management of tasks in it. So that looks pretty cool. And then, forgive me for pronunciation, it's Devere Ben Arroya. He mentioned Spike, again, the productivity email app that uh, Fernando Silva mentioned, and also Miro, M-I-R-O, which as far as I know is like a whiteboarding type app for the iPhone and the iPad. So, you know, kind of a mind mapping. If you're in like a brainstorming session in a meeting, it's kind of that online whiteboard thing. I think it also has like collaborative features. You can also go to Miro.com, M-I-R-O, and it has that kind of visually whiteboard. I've actually been part of like Zoom calls with different companies and they use this in the meeting kind of live as like putting up sticky notes and putting ideas on the board. So Miro is a pretty cool service. It's good recommendations there. Well, any last words, William, of uh, apps or services that you'd love to highlight? Yes, please. I can't believe there's so many more. Like, uh, how did I not mention Omni Outliner? I hate (laughs) outlining, and yet I plan events in that. I have planned complicated articles, interviews, things like that. Um, I I don't put it in my head, though. It's when you said about project planning. Uh, Omni Outliner, I I actually do use project planning, but there is a a sister app called Omni Plan, which is incredibly powerful for your building bridges and things, which is a little bit more than I ever do but it's still fun <laughs> i once used it if i can just say one last thing about it i want you to do a great gantt chart of oh. everybody's responsibilities in a project all rigged so that everybody else's responsibilities came before mine because i knew there were two people who were not going to do their work so it would never get to me i, w- I could forget about the whole project but i looked brilliant at the start <laughs> and thanks to omniplan yeah all right. Very good. It's not really what they sell it for, but, you know, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. No, no, it's good. Well, those were some of our favorite iPhone apps. If we missed some, tweet at us. You can tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you on there. Apps that you mentioned, we'll throw them up on the next show. And if you want a show with some of our favorite watch apps, then tweet at me as well. I'd love to hear if that's something you guys would like to hear. Don't forget, you can support the show by giving us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. That really helps out the show. I'd appreciate if you did that. And you can even support the show with $5 a month, either on patreon.com slash Apple Insider 
or write an Apple podcast and you get an ad-free, uninterrupted version of the show and early access when you support the show there. Don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider with Andrew O'Hara and myself, where we talk about smart home and HomeKit devices and the Apple Insider daily podcast as well. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.